From the Spec Network, this is Fragmented, an Android developer podcast where we talk about building good software and becoming better Android developers. I'm Don Felker. And I'm Kaushik Gopal. Welcome to the show. If you work on an Android app, and if you're listening to this podcast, I'm going to presume you do, you'll know that when your user reports a problem or a crash, it's the absolute worst feeling. To make matters worse, they might one-star your app, go on Twitter and complain about the app, and if they're feeling particularly merciless, probably go on Reddit or something and post it there. But you know what? They have absolutely every reason to. If you treat your customers basically as an off-site QA team, it's rude to them and it's just bad for business. As developers, we don't want to rely on customers to report errors. Instead, we want to catch this much early on. Ideally, you just have automated tests and these tell you when there's a problem. But, you know, as we've talked about on the show multiple times, that's not always as easy as we want it to be. Because writing tests can be hard. That's why Sentry, our sponsor for today's show, tells you about errors in your code before your customers have a chance to encounter them. Not only do they tell you about the errors, they also give you helpful details that help you fix these errors. For example, how many users were impacted by this bug, the complete stack trace if it's a crash, the commit ID when this error was released, the engineer who wrote this line of code that was busted, mm-hmm, that and a whole lot more. If your code is broken, let's fix it together. That's Sentry's tagline. Love it. You can check them out at sentry.io slash for slash Android. Sentry is a pretty common word. Uh, it's actually a pretty cool name for the service if you know the English meaning of the word. But I want to make sure you get that domain name right. It's sentry.io. Once again, sentry.io slash for as in F-O-R slash Android. Check them out today and fix your errors before your users encounter them. Thanks for sponsoring today's show, Sentry. All right, I am super happy in this episode to introduce Don. Now, you folks might be thinking, wait a minute, I've, you've been talking to Don all these years. Uh, well, in this episode, uh, it's a little different because I'm actually talking to another Don, and I'm really excited because, uh, A, it makes me feel like nice and warm and fuzzy that Don is still here, uh, but it's a different Don. <laughs> in the early days of Fragmented, I always complained and lamented that it wasn't that easy to build a really low latency Android application. Uh, it was just not there for some reason. I even talked about like this app early on that I tried to build that I was unable to because the latency was not uh, just there. But what we've noticed is with Android Q and a lot of the announcements that are coming in, uh, Google has really upped the game and it is no longer the case where like you cannot build these apps uh, in Android. But it's been some time. So what Don and I wanted to do was actually reach out to one of the folks at Google uh, who is highly recognized in this industry. And he's also written a wonderful open source app. So without further ado, let me introduce in this show, uh, Don Turner. Welcome to the show, Don. Hello, hello. Very, uh, very pleased to be here. Thank you. 
Uh, yeah, our pleasure. Now, I have to kick this episode right off and tell you that um, I did initially fanboy a little uh, once I knew that you were going to come to the show and we were going to be able to talk to you. And this is actually for reasons uh, different from what most people like know you uh, from. Uh, this is basically, uh, so I follow this music uh, production company. They build a lot of software for music editing and uh, such, and they're called Isotope. And I noticed they had a blog post, uh, the, and I'll, I'll make sure to post a link in the show notes for this. It's called The Future of Audio Production on Android. That's a blog post that they wrote. And they did actually make mention of you in this uh, uh, blog post. So yeah, this is an additional like FYI. Uh, thanks for coming on the show. <laughs> no problem at all. No, uh, I don't think I've ever had a fanboy before. So uh, this is this is a first for me. But um, <laughs> no, I, I read the blog post uh, from Isotope. I mean, Isotope are a fantastic company. They, they make uh, for a long time, they've made brilliant uh, audio processing plugins. And more recently, they mm -hmm. launched a product called Spire Studio. Um, and yeah, they, they've got a fantastic story about uh, what they did on, on Android. Uh, essentially, th their revenue went up by about 40% after they launched their app on Android, um, which is really, really encouraging. I mean, it's, it, it's fantastic to see Android users um, willing to spend um, a lot of, lot of cash on high-end recording hardware. So uh, it's kind of sort of flies in the face of uh, the, the popular stereotype that Android users don't spend a lot of money on hardware. Uh, evidently, that's uh, that's not the case. So yeah, really encouraging message from Isotope. So all good. I know. I mean, you just had to ask me, like, yeah, Android users who don't spend enough on high-end audio hardware. Like, I've lost many a salary to audio <laughs> high-end audio hardware. So I don't know where that, uh, <laughs> where that message has been coming from. Right, right. <laughs> cool. Uh, oh, it's good. It's really good. A quick question on that. So uh, I, have, I do know like uh, what Isotope, and this is like definitely one of those things. Uh, and this isn't just like a myth necessarily, uh, because I know in the early days when I started to build Android uh, applications, and I'm talking like, yeah, uh, some time back now, like probably six to seven years. One of the applications that I've always wanted to be able to build is I'm not sure if you've noticed uh, these applications. Uh, so it's almost like a looper application. So what you can do is you record uh, a certain music snippet and then you can keep, and it keeps looping in uh, on a standard beat. So then you can keep layering on multiple sort of like audio snippets and then like you can build harmonies or you can like add drum beats. You can add like different things. Uh, this is like one of those things that I've tried to build on my own, but I've, basically not being able to build. So I was so I do know this this is like a real problem. This is not something that, you know, I was just imagining. What changed in that uh, time or was this ever like truly a problem or was I just like doing things wrong? Can you maybe like quickly give us like a a background as to why this was why is this even a problem or why was it perpetrated in the Android development world as being a problem? If that makes sense. Um so let's let's look at the the fundamentals of, of what you're trying to do. So you're um, attempting to take um, the audio data from the microphone and store it in memory, and then essentially just play it on a mm -hmm. loop whilst recording a new stream, which gets played over the top. And you, essentially, you're you're layering up um, loops of of recorded data. So mm -hmm. I think one of the the problems in the past has been to do with input latency. 
So when you actually hit that record button, it might take a few hundred milliseconds for a recording to start. I know there's there's been um, issues with uh, resampling in the past, which have caused extra latency in the input signal path. Um, it's also been diff it's also been difficult as well to um, to get the APIs doing exactly what what you want them to do. Um, so, I mean, th th there has been the, you know, you can use the Java um, audio record uh, APIs. That's been around for, for quite a long time. I, I think the, the simple answer is it has always been possible to do this, but there have been a lot of hoops that you would have to jump through in order to get the performance level that would be required for this type of app. And also it would only run on a very small subset of devices because, mm. of, because of latency issues. Um, ah, I see. Now, okay. nowadays, because the audio ecosystem, uh, or rather the ecosystem of de devices which have much lower latency is much, much larger, and the APIs are better, it's mm -hmm. it's much easier to implement uh, an app like a, an audio looper. Um, and I'm sure we'll, t we'll talk about this in a bit, but... Um, one of the one of the reasons behind this uh, this audio library oboe of which uh, I'm one of the authors um, was to make it a lot easier for developers to build these types of apps so instead of having to write say I don't know a hundred lines of low level C code in order to create uh, a recording stream you can now do it in say five lines of code mm. and it's it's much much easier for you to just say hey I want a block of eight seconds of audio data from the microphone and i'm want i want to loop that audio once it's in memory um mm. so yeah that i think is it, there's quite a few factors which have made it a lot easier and i suppose more viable to create that kind of app and have a positive um user experience and potentially uh, make make um good money off it so this is like a lot of juicy stuff that you just mentioned so i'm gonna like probably like <laughs> uh peel some of these layers uh, back um so i'm pretty familiar in some terms with audio latency but for the folks who aren't necessarily aware of what audio latency is specifically how that problem manifests could you like maybe give us like a quick rundown on uh what that are, well, what is the problem with that latency in like if you're trying to build like a music editing app or something yeah sure okay um so latency is quite simply the time it takes from so some kind of trigger signal to some kind of output so a good example of this would be when you tap mm -hmm. on your mobile phone screen and you want to create a sound as in the sound that's produced either through the headphones or the speaker latency would be the time it takes from actually your finger physically touching the screen and that sound being reproduced by the um the uh, phone's speakers or, or or headphones as in the manipulation of these uh the, the speaker cone in order to uh, change the air pressure to to create that sound so, so there's a, there's a number of things mm. in that signal processing pipeline. You you have uh, the touchscreen sensor. So there's there'll be you know typically between twenty and thirty milliseconds on a on a high end device for that touch event to be registered and sent down into the Android subsystem. 
and then the event would be presented to your app and it then would need to be um, processed. You know, it's probably a few milliseconds there. And then we're into the audio latency side. So at this point, your app needs to generate this sound, whether it's pre-recorded or you, know, you might um, synthesize it if it's some kind of synth synthesizer app, send it into an audio stream, and then it's down to the Android framework to take your, your frames of audio data, send it through the whole um, software and hardware stack, which is underneath that, and then have it presented mm -hmm. um, at, at the speaker. Uh, so there's there's a lot of stuff which which goes on, but ultimately, what it means is, if you've got um, a live performance type use case, so you're you're tapping on the screen, and let's right. say it's a virtual keyboard, you need that sound to be played. I would say within 50 milliseconds in order for it to feel responsive. Anything above sort of 50, maybe 60 milliseconds. It's going to feel like okay. This is this doesn't feel like a real sort of musical instrument. Uh, it's it's not. You know, you're having to. Your brain right. can compensate for a little bit of latency. In fact, if you were say um, a professional church organist, you would you would be used to compensating for anywhere up to about two two seconds of of latency between tapping a note and hearing that sound produced by the uh, the pipes in the the organ wow that's crazy that's almost like a, a sort of like yeah that's almost yeah. like a talent because two seconds doesn't seem like a lot but that's crazy two seconds of latency it is yeah it's, and it it must be so strange to hear that sound in you know you've already moved on to the <laughs> almost the next section of music by then um, but but you know if if you're a, a professional musician who's trained in this, then then you know that's that's what you do. For most people, what you want to do is your brain says, okay, I want to make this sound, um, and you want to hear it, it almost immediately. So that's that's why audio latency is is very important. And I think in in the past, it's been one of those things which sort of got lost in in the the uh, the mix of other priorities for for Android, um, both on the, mm -hmm. on the Google side and on the OEM side, and that's why we saw you know I'm I'm talking sort of yeah over five years ago we did see some devices which had um, audio latency in the order of a few hundred milliseconds, but I'm I'm very mm -hmm. pleased to say that's that's very rare now, um, and a lot of uh, flagship devices now are looking at, at uh, 50 milliseconds or below. I mean, Samsung's flagships are now looking at about 20 milliseconds. The Pixel devices around about 20 milliseconds as, as well. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of lot of progress uh, being, being made on that side. And again, I had two quick follow-up questions. Uh, one is like the church organ story. I'm like, yeah, that, that, that's like super interesting. And I, I imagine the idea there is because like for folks who have like seen churches, like it's a massive space and there's like a lot of uh, feedback and echo, but also the fact that when you have church organs, they're wired so that when you like tap a keyboard sound, it for the sound to actually like resonate and travel through the whole room, it actually, I imagine, takes about two seconds. Uh, and that's probably why, right? Or am I misunderstanding some aspect of that? So I'm I'm not an expert on, on church or, or, uh, uh, organs, but... but um... I think the way that the sound is actuated is 
uh, through a blowing wind down a pipe. So it has to actuate some. I'm, I'm could, I could be completely make, making this up, but some it must actuate some pump which pumps air into the pipe, almost like um, blowing into a flute, some, something like that. And that's the bit I think which which takes the time because it's got to it's got to go causes the latency. Oh, to, I see. Yeah, I'm I'm guessing. You know, I don't want to tell you something that's not that's just made up, but I know it takes quite a while. Uh, we we can leave it to uh, as a lesson for the listeners <laughs> to do the homework and report on why we are wrong or right. <laughs> uh, the other follow up question that I had was: uh, so you really broke it down well when you talked about like how why there is that gap or that latency from the point of like uh, initiating like a, yeah a feedback or a touch on the screen to when you hear it back in that pipeline. In the past, what was the most problematic aspect of it? Was it purely just the hardware or like the soft, uh, not not being able to respond or like the computation process in all of this combined or uh, what? Yeah, what was like if you if I had to visualize how like the number amount of time being spent on each of those components or those parts, which is the part that would have taken the longest time? So I would say in equal parts. It would be the Android framework itself. So there was there was a lot of so another way of thinking about this is um, what you want for most users is to have just completely glitch-free audio all the time. You just want you know most users they want to they want to play a song and they, they certainly don't want to hear any any artifacts in that song. And what would happen would be. Uh, a device would be tested and it would have some audio glitches. And in order to fix this, somewhere in the audio pipeline, you would just add in an extra buffer to say, okay, we'll just extend the amount of audio data that we read in before we send it out to the to the speaker. And this would happen at multiple stages throughout the audio pipeline. And what, what you'd end up with is enormous buffers inside the Android framework, but also at a hardware level as well. Um, and this would solve the problem. It so solve the problem for for most of most of the users most of the time, except for these real time use cases where people wa wanted to do something where they where they tap on the screen or maybe they plug in a keyboard or you know something which is responsive. So yeah, th there's there's two areas. The Android framework itself was using a lot of um, large buffers and was sometimes resampling when it when it didn't need to, which again would would introduce buffers into the audio pipeline um and also oem devices would do things like um acoustic treatment of the output signal for example um yes so so you know you're talking about very small devices with fairly small speakers sometimes if you do some dsp on the output signal you can do like um uh improving the the bass and um mm -hmm. noise cancellation th these kind of things on on the output path which make it sound better but also introduce latency and sometimes this this latency um was was excessive um so so i would say in equal parts on the oem side you know the low level um hardware drivers and um the the dsp which is done on on the audio chips but also in in the Android framework, uh, would 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 have have this kind of extra latency. Um, 
the other thing I'd say is it previously it was it was it was much more difficult to bypass all of these extra buffers, which are sometimes quite useful. You know, you you might want to um, have like echo cancellation and noise cancellation um, on your output stream if you're not bothered about latency. Um, the problem is you don't want it all the time. And I think it's, in the past, it has been quite difficult to avoid that that extra latency, whereas now it's it's getting a, a lot easier. You know, we, we provide much better guidance and then we, we have this library which does uh, all of the kind of he heavy lifting and, and picks the optimal low latency path for you um, rather than you having to know the, the special kind of incantation of, of sample rates and, and formats, which are going to get you this kind of golden uh, low latency path. Oh, hey, Dom. Hey, how are you doing? Good. I've just been kind of silent here, hanging out, listening. So um, I'm going to hop right in here. Um, I heard a lot of the, the talk about the audio latency, uh, et cetera. And I kind of wanted to shift gears a little bit and talk about, um, and I don't know how to pronounce this, but it's a project that it seems like that, that Google has created. Uh, and it's OBOE, um, kind of, and I, from what I can tell from the GitHub page is that it's a C++ library that makes it easy to build uh, apps, audio apps on Android that are high performance, which is, you know, probably something anyone who's an audio programmer is excited to hear. I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about what that project is, project is maybe how to pronounce it, uh, and maybe why folks might want to use it. It's funny about the pronunciation. So... The correct pronunciation is oboe, as in after after the musical instrument. Oboe, you know, it's it's like a, a long pipe, and it oboe mm -hmm. basically creates pipes right. or uh, pipes of audio data, essentially. Um, that's where it came from. But my uh, French colleagues in in the office call it oboe with a with, the, with an accent on the on the e, oh. which I think it sounds yeah it sounds a lot more eloquent you know but technically it's just uh, just oboe um but yeah so I'm one of the authors of um of that library I have to say not the only author and the original idea came from uh, one of my colleagues in, in the engineering team Phil Burke who's done a fantastic uh, amount of work on this um so the original idea behind uh, oboe was to create a library which was easier to use than the the current apis now not not that the current apis are difficult to use but they are very low level so they offer you a lot of control um but they also require kind of a, a reasonable level of understanding and quite a lot of boilerplate code so um that yeah, if you can give us an example, like uh, for example, what would be something that you think is like low level, whereas it's like something that's easier to do that Oboe gives sure. us. Sure. Okay. So in in the beginning, um, the the only way that you could get uh, really low latency audio was to use an API called OpenSLES, uh, which is mm. uh, Open Sound Library for Embedded Systems, and it's a <laughs> C API. It's been around for a very long time. And in order to get a playback stream, you would have to write between 50 and 100 lines of code. And it, it would, it oh, would wow. be things like you, every time you wanted to access a per, certain part of the audio subsystem, you would have to write uh, an interface to that particular part. So you'd have to have an interface which set up your uh, sample rate for that stream, an interface for the channel count, an in mm. interface for the format. Um, and there was a lot of kind of boilerplate code 
in order to to set up this this audio stream, which you know should be a fairly simple thing to do. You just say, "Hey, I want to play a sound. You pick the best parameters for me, and I'll just supply data in that in that format." So, um, that, so Oboe helps with that. But what happened with API Android API twenty six Oreo is we launched a new API called A Audio. Um, which had a lot of new features. Again, was a, a, a C API, but was kind of a lot nicer to use and takes advantage of features of newer devices, which allow you to get lower latency. For example, memory mapped buffers. So your application can write into a section of memory, which is then uh, immediately read by the audio hardware. So it cuts out virtually all mm all of the the buffers which used to be there which were adding all this extra extra latency which is great you know uh, we have you know, the best possible performance on on devices which support it however to a developer this represents quite a big problem because you, you know if you if you want the best performance across all devices it means you've got to write uh you've got to write code against two apis so uh oboe was uh, invented to solve this problem. So you just code against Oboe, and Oboe says, okay, well, if a device has a audio on it, then the newest and greatest API, then it will use that. Uh, otherwise, it will fall back to using OpenSLES and handle all of this like boilerplate code for you. Um, so yeah, essentially, you just write against a single API, gives you the best performance across uh, the widest ra range of devices down to, I think, API 16, which is like virtually 100% coverage. It's almost like, um, it kind of reminds me of like AppCompat and ExoPlayer and stuff like that. Where... Exactly. Exactly right. Yeah. And uh, or a another uh, good uh, comparison is uh, Angle for uh, OpenGL. I'm not sure if you're familiar with it, but uh, it uses oh, it uses Vulkan yeah. on devices that su support it, and then falls back to op OpenGL um, on devices that don't. So, so yeah, it's just about making it easy for developers really to to write these types of apps. So, if if I wanted to, let's say I'm listening to this right now, and I would like to start digging into it and maybe start building an app. Words like what are kind of the steps that I should follow to, to get started? And um, is there like any sample projects I can play with or, or kind of how do I get my, my feet wet with this project? Absolutely, right. Um, so I recorded a video series quite recently called Getting Started with Oboe, which is on YouTube. If you just go to the, if you just search for um, Oboe GitHub, I think it's the first result. And on there, there's a whole load of uh, videos to help you get started. There's also um, sample code, and the, you know the the way I've split up the sample code is kind of based on use case. So if you're building a synthesizer, in fact, to get started, there's just your Hello Oboe project. Um, so mm -hmm. that just kind of goes over the basics. But then we go on to more kind of complicated use cases. So there's there's a sample called Megadrone, which uses, I think it's like 100 or 150 oscillators um, to create kind of this weird, weird and wonderful sound. And the idea behind that is if you're creating an app which has quite high computational load um, or computational bandwidth requirements, then it, it shows you how to like optimize your app using... Um, optimization flags and 
goes through how to profile your app so you know that you're always going to be meeting your audio callback deadlines. Um, and there, there's another app um, called Rhythm Game, which is much more based, it's sort of kind of like Guitar Hero, where you have to tap on the screen in time to certain rhythmic uh, events. So, so depending on what, what you're trying to do, there's probably a sample which sort of hopefully goes some way to to illustrating the, the sort of the key concepts behind that that use case. So so yeah, uh, head to GitHub. Everything should be there. If it's not there, just file an issue, and uh, I'll I'll try and address it. That makes sense. Um, so diving in a little into Obo. Uh, so this is a C plus plus library. Right. Yep, it's uh, C plus plus. You're probably thinking, well, why is it C plus plus and not Java or or Kotlin? Um, <laughs> the right. answer is, uh, I mean, C++ is still best for performance. Um, C++, mm. by default, doesn't have a garbage collector, whereas uh, Java does. So the main thing about these kind of real-time mm -hmm. performance use cases is they must always supply audio data at, at certain times. So they must always meet their uh, audio callback deadlines. And that means not having anything which is going to um, block your audio rendering thread. Uh, and unfortunately, in Java, you know, Java's wonderful. You know, I, I grew up on Java. Um, but it, it has the garbage collector, and there's nothing which stops the garbage collector running at any time. That will block, and that may cause, right. cause an underrun, which, you know, it's not, it's not catastrophic, but no one likes to hear mm. audio glitches. So that's why, that's, that's why we... Um, that's why it's in C++. That makes sense. That makes sense. Uh, the, the other reason as well is, you know, there's a, there's a lot of fantastic audio apps out there. Um, and many of them are using code which is written in C++. So, it, and if the vast majority of your audio rendering code is in C++, it doesn't really make sense to have you kind of calling out back to Java and some other library. Um, it's just much easier to to interface with the same language. No, you, you mentioned some libraries here too. So that's um, kind of the same vein. If I wanted to take the, you know, the digital signal that's perhaps coming in and in, in Oboe, it might provide like some hooks that I can use to process that signal. Maybe I've come up with a new fancy way to do uh, noise reduction or something like that. Is that something I can kind of hook into inside of Oboe? Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a couple of ways you can do it if you're recording um, audio data. You can either just read directly uh, from the recording stream. You know, you can have your own thread, which is you know adding some kind of a, um, noise cancellation or whatever effect you want to add. Or you can be called every time there's new data ready, so it, it will call you on a on a callback. Mm -hmm. In fact, if you look at there's a sample called Live Effect, and in that all that mm -hmm. happens is the Recorded data is immediately played through the through the speakers or, or headphones, and there's I, I think it, I added the comment which is add your own effect here, um, so it, it will present you with the input data. You can do whatever audio processing you want to do, and then it gets sent to the output. So you know we were thinking sort of guitar pedal effects or vocal processing for karaoke apps that that kind of thing so hmm. yeah if that is something you want to do then then check out the live effect um sample has has this library or anything like it been used in any um 
like do you know if it's been using like any video games or anything like that or, or what are some like use cases that have been kind of interesting for the library that you've seen so far I mean, there's there's a really popular f- uh, framework called Juice, which is uh, now using Obo. It's still in beta, you know, the, the, so that you have to activate it with a with a flag. But yeah, Juice is Juice is very popular. I think it's used by some fairly large large companies. I wouldn't wouldn't want to quote off the top of my head in case I get it wrong, but um, it's certainly a very popular <laughs> uh, library uh, or framework rather. Uh, C Sound is another one which is which is pretty popular. Um, let's see. There's actually a list. I'm I'm on the site now. Let me let me have a quick look. There's um, I mean, G's, G-Stomper, Not to I should, probably shouldn't be biased, but G-Stomper is a fantastic um. Mo- oh, I've played with that before. Yeah, it's it's a really like comprehensive audio workstation which uh, which runs on your phone. So, um, they're using they're actually using A Audio and uh, an Open S- Open um, just so they get the like absolute best performance everywhere. Uh, Entract. Oh, I see. There's a whole there's a whole list here on the site. Project yeah, using right. Obo or a Audio. Yeah, okay, yeah. I see that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it seems seems pretty popular. And you and said juice, juice. That's not the same juice. It's part that's from <laughs> right. like Google. That's a different one, like J U C E, right? That's it. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a third party library um, written by a company called Roly. They make like fantastic like silicon based keyboards as well. I just want to make sure it wasn't the same library that uh, is produced by Google for you know development, so, which is G U I C E. Yeah, yeah. So people might get, especially <laughs> listeners definitely might get confused. Okay, that's yeah. cool. There's a bunch of stuff that's yeah. that's inside of here for those projects using A Audio. I've actually played with G Stomper, not even knowing that, just recently, kind of playing around with some, you know, making some audio. That it's very cool. Ooh, cool. That it's used it. Cool. That's pretty cool, yeah. And I also know, like, uh, one of the companies that I use, I mentioned this early on, Isotope, they have, like, some of their stuff also that uses, like, Oboe now. And they actually have a blog post, too, and I'll make sure to add that in the show notes, where they explicitly point out that they worked with Don and, like, the Oboe library. So I was, like, actually very surprised because I use a lot of their tools. Uh, so, yeah, definitely been used a, a lot in the community now. We like to think it's been battle tested. You know, obviously <laughs> there, there's there's always outstanding issues, but um, you, you know, it's it's it has been used by a lot of partners now, and um, it's we get a lot of good feedback of it. So it's it's definitely the recommended API to use if you're thinking about doing any kind of real time um, app for for audio. It's um, yeah, it's, it's the place to be. Makes sense. And just two quick follow-up items uh, for folks. Um, um, I know we mentioned DSP. I just uh, realized like we probably use that term casually. Um, so DSP in the aud- in audio editing land is digital signal processing. Uh, yeah, you can like look into Wikipedia for like the full definition, but that's basically what uh, Don was right, mentioning. Right. Sorry. Guilty of DSP. Uh, yeah. using ac- acronyms. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and yeah, the other one's a fun one. Uh, if folks want to know more about Oboe, uh, the only reason I knew what Oboe meant uh, was there's uh, there's this TV show called Mozart in the Jungle, uh, and it's based around like the like lead character playing this instrument called the Oboe. So if, like yeah, if you want to do even more further research before you start working on Oboe, you can watch those TV shows. <laughs> and it's weird because I the reason why I asked that question is there's a uh, I used to work with some folks that that were ex Google. 
and we had created an app for some some company and they, they called it ubi which is like o-o-b-e which means out of box <laughs> experience and so i saw this and I'm like oh, wait oh. is this like a like <laughs> alternative variation of that so very interesting i think we need to make it more obvious what it is as in just a picture of an oboe <laughs> and maybe i don't or just like yeah or maybe like an emoji on the side after <laughs> or something so yeah, yeah. picture would help <laughs> yeah, we, unfortunately, it's, it's run right. completely by engineers, so we we haven't had much uh, design. <laughs> I mean, it's open source, so if anyone, if any budding designers out there want to help out with the Oboe logo, you know, we are accepting pull requests on that. <laughs> there you go. There's your opportunity. Yeah, it's to be part of the Oboe library. Um, all right, so that. Um, I loved uh, some of the concepts that you talked about with Oboe and like why it's used and how powerful the library it is. Um, but also one of the main topics we wanted to talk to you about, uh, Don, is Android Q. Uh, I did, I actually remember maybe, was it Android? I'm not sure if it was like Nougat or maybe uh, Marshmallow. There, there already were some audio announcements being made saying that like they've improved a lot with like uh, media player and a lot of those things. I hear on Android Q, there's like additionally some really cool stuff that's going in uh, specifically with some of the audio capabilities. Can you maybe give us like a rundown of what to expect for Android Q uh, yeah, and some of these improvements uh, in the Android framework sure. as they've yeah, happened? Yeah, no problem. So... I mean, following on from talking about Oboe and these real-time performance use cases, there's a new API called the Native MIDI API, which allows you to communicate with MIDI devices. Now, I'm guessing some of mm. your listeners might not know what uh, MIDI devices are. Well, um, MIDI devices are uh, controllers, essentially. So it could be a, a keyboard or or drum pads or faders, uh, which you would plug in to your computer or phone, and it sends data in order to control your audio software. So uh, probably the most obvious uh, example would be to plug in a keyboard and have your mobile phone make the sound of a piano. So uh, now this has been possible since Android Marshmallow. It's been possible, there's been a, the the Java MIDI API, and before that, you could do it by packaging your app with a, a USB MIDI driver. But in Android Q, we um, we introduced a new uh, API for doing this natively using using C Now, some people, I mean, this is so, so some people are like, well, you know, why why bother with that? It seems like the functionality was already there. Um, well, the truth is, it's all about performance. Mm -hmm. So. Uh, when you're writing an audio app, generally you're doing all of your processing inside this, this audio callback. If you then, inside your audio callback, need to jump out to Java you know, through JNI and uh, grab some data through MIDI and then come back into to C++ land um, and, and update settings and, and things like that, then it can be a performance bottleneck. And this is what we heard from from developers. And it's also, being honest, it's a, it's a bit of a faff. You have to, there's, there's a, quite a lot of code you have to um, write in order to, to, to make this work. So with the native MIDI API, it makes it super simple to just get all pending MIDI data from your keyboard or uh, drum pad 
or whatever other device you're you're connected to um, do the processing immediately and then render render the audio out so yeah it's 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 all about performance i like that i like that um and so just to recap, the Android native MIDI API is what's being introduced with Android Q and Android Java MIDI API is the one that was before, right? That's right. Uh, the Java one was introduced in Marshmallow. Oh, Marshmallow. Okay, got it. So there's that. So that's kind of on the on the, the real-time side. So the native MIDI API is like one of the big announcements. I mean, for me, anyway. I, I, I mean, I think it's fantastic. And I, I would <laughs> love to see loads more apps uh using midi and being controlled uh by by midi devices mm-hmm. um in fact uh, kind of a sneak sneak preview we're we're, we're giving a talk at, well i'm giving a talk at, at io and we will be demoing this api and having like midi keyboards hooked up to phones and that kind of thing should be quite a fun sort of musical performance oh. um so. so do you do you see this 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 feature here this native midi api do you just see this as something like, um, you know, manufacturers like, I don't know, if companies would be like, you know, I guess Amadio or whoever, whoever creates these keyboards, um, yeah. these audio manufacturers, are they going to be the ones that are going to probably create these, um, like these integrations with their keyboards um, that they perhaps sell at various music stores or, or how are you, or what does this kind of open up the door yeah, to? I mean... They can definitely uh, create apps which can be used to configure their their MIDI devices. Um, yeah, typically what we see is uh, apps which are used for performance, so uh, synthesizers and audio workstations, which just kind of natively integrate with whatever MIDI device um, is being plugged in. I mean, normally you ha- you have this process where you plug in a MIDI device and you tap on the screen in, in your audio workstation app. And you wiggle the, the fader or press the key on your MIDI keyboard mm-hmm. and you create a link between the two. So you can now, rather than having to use like on-screen controls, which can be a little bit fiddly, you can just use your, your MIDI controller for like much faster and easier control uh, over the app. So um, yeah, I mean, potentially we see the, the MIDI device manufacturers creating apps, but it's, it's more about the apps for musical creativity. I'm just trying to wrap my head around like if I was a developer, maybe where I would want to or how I'd want to use this. Um, but I'm not really an audio developer, so I'm just having a hard time kind of gluing those pieces together in my head. I, I guess if, if you're an audio developer, the, the main benefit is it's much easier for you now to integrate with any kind of MIDI device. Okay. All right. That's a good, that's a, that's a good <laughs> selling point there. Yeah, and like one of the things, and I can like speak from like some personal experience. Uh, one of the things that most folks always want to do is uh, they want to maybe have like a keyboard or something at home or like a musical instrument. And these days, a lot of these instruments are actually MIDI devices. So a lot of these keyboards that uh, most folks purchase, like they're actually MIDI keyboards. And the advantage of having like these be MIDI keyboards is then you don't even need, uh, for example, if you buy traditional uh, synthesizer or keyboards, they actually have speakers right on them, right? So when you play something, like the sounds come right away. But with MIDI, what happens is all they do is they literally say, we process this into a signal that a computer can understand. So these instruments, all they do are they're just like instruments that produce this MIDI signal that can be understood by uh computers, right? Or like anything that understands the MIDI API. And so now what 
I can imagine happening is instead of having to connect this to like maybe like a beefy workstation or like, you know, my Mac here that has like complicated audio setup, uh, maybe what one can do is like have like the setup and just connect it to like my Android device on the go. So I just have to carry my MIDI keyboard and like an Android device and, you know, plug in my headphones to like the Android device and then I can start playing all kinds of instruments because then it's all pure software, right? So I can just keep switching on my, I can imagine like an Android app that just like switches between different instruments and I can just use the same MIDI keyboard and then generate a whole range of sounds. Yeah, you know, uh, so uh, also because like, yeah, now I guess like the Android uh, API support like that MIDI integration much better. It just enables like a whole bunch of possibilities around that. So I can see people like creating apps that just like do all kinds of funky things with sound, you know? Yeah, at least like this is immediately as uh, Don was mentioning this, I, those were the things that in my mind I was like constantly thinking about. I was like, oh, that would be pretty yeah, so cool. Actually a good use case would be your looping app. Which which we talked about uh, right at right at the start. So you could you could have yeah, yeah. you know a MIDI controller which is a bunch of um, just pads, you know, really responsive pads. You plug that in, and every time you you tap a pad, um, it starts a recording. You tap the same pad, it stops a recording. And you, you know, it's they could be like really large yeah, pads, which may be foot operated, something like that. So you can be um, you basically recording loops as um, as as you're performing you know as you as you're singing or playing guitar or, or or whatever and you could do it yeah you could do everything through through your phone uh, rather than having to tap on the tap on the screen yeah so that's that's the real advantage of like um midi controllers and um you know d- d- using your phone i guess it's like fully portable and the, the fact that you have a controller there gives you a lot more control right uh the other thing I wanted to uh, also ask you about is I know like there's a lot of like new media codecs and this I just read from the Android Q announcement. So I'm not necessarily even entirely sure of what the specifics are, but uh, there's new codec support. There's like, uh, I know media codec info has been improved. Can you talk to us about some of the exciting things there like in Android Q? Yeah, sure. Uh, so uh, one of the things that developers were telling us was that it was difficult to find out the media rendering capabilities of a device. So like, mm-hmm. can this particular device that my app is running on render um, H.264 at 25 frames per second in uh, at a frame size of 1080p? And they had to jump through various hoops and sometimes it wasn't reliable. Um, so there's been... Uh, an addition to media codec info, which allows you to know whether or not a codec is hardware accelerated, to know like where a codec came from, whether or not it's provided by the Android framework and is therefore available on all devices, or whether or not it's like a vendor-specific uh, codec, and, and a few other things as well. The other mm. thing which was mm. added is this concept of performance points. So a performance point is a way for a device to report its video uh, rendering capability. So taking the example, oh. yeah. So taking the example that that I mentioned earlier, you could say, okay, I've got this video. It's in H.264. What frame rates and frame sizes can can you mm-hmm. render? You know, on, on this particular device. So you can then present that. Uh, video in the best possible, you know, quality uh, uh, and frame size um, for that particular device. 
Oh, interesting. And so, oh, got it. So, like, yeah, different like applications that need to. And I, I imagine, like, yeah, they like applications could just maybe pick the best one for this device because they understand and then just like use that information directly, right? Exactly. Exactly. The other thing you can do, which is uh, we see quite useful for uh, apps which have a number of formats which they can choose from, you can mm-hmm. say, okay, so I want to render a video at 1080p at 25 frames per second, um, what formats do you support mm-hmm. at that particular sort of level of, of uh, performance? So, and then, you you mm. know, you might get AV1 or H.264, and then you can choose the one which, which best fits your requirements. So it's all about, you know, providing a um, bit more information to make it easy to render the best quality uh, content at, you know, the, the lowest possible bit rate and things like that. That makes sense. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so in terms of other, so the in Android Q as well, we added support for AV1, which is um, uh, an open source mm-hmm. uh, video codec. Yeah, and that offers a, a much lower bit rate compared to say H.264 uh, for um, oh. the, the same quality. So. Uh, oh wow! So yeah, for di- I imagine. For the same file sizes, you're presumably going to get better quality. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So that's that's quite exciting. I mean, it's still early days for AV1 because um, there there is like there's some there's quite a lot of extra cost in encoding. So you know, there's, right, right, right. Um, <laughs> you know, there's no free lunch, but you shift you shift you shift the cost to to encode, and there's some there's a bit of extra cost in decoding as well. But if bitrate is your number one priority. Then, um, then AV1 is 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 a very good good candidate for that. And and we're probably not going to go into the basics of bitrate right now because that's a different topic. But it's basically the amount of samples that you can compress in, uh, the amount of uh, audio rich information per sample that you can have. Uh, yeah, I'm not doing a great job explaining this, but <laughs> uh, yeah, just think of it as like the quality of the sound for folks who are curious. Sure. Yeah. That, that, that's. That's kind of a kind of a, a good way of explaining. The way I always think of it is um, mm-hmm. how fast you need to transfer the data from a server to your phone in order to get a certain amount of uh, of quality. So it's it's kind of like how how fat is the pipe? So if you're streaming at 4K, you need a really mm-hmm. a really fat pipe. Um, but if you're you're uh, streaming at 1080p you need a slightly smaller pipe um so it's um you know it it just uh in the case of av1 it allows you to have a smaller pipe but this get the same quality as if you had a bigger pipe oh i actually like that explanation i'm gonna switch to that one (laughs) 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 so Uh, i mean since we're talking uh, about bit rates another thing which is uh kind of uh a good thing in Android Q is we added support for um, the Opus encoder, which is uh, an encoder which is optimized oh. for speech. So it offers, and actually I was listening to this today just so I kind of knew what I was talking about. It offers pretty incredible um, quality at very low bit rates. So if you if you have um, you know speech encoded at say six kilobits per second using mp3 
it's mm-hmm. barely legible. You know, you can, you will miss some words. Whereas with Opus, it's perfectly, um, uh, you, you know, you can you can hear everything being enunciated. It's perfectly understandable. Oh wow! And I imagine some of the applications there are like, say, if you have, uh, I know, like yeah, home speakers or like these devices where you need to send commands and these are being processed like uh, somewhere else, like in the server. Like then b- being able to leverage this. Uh, yeah, the Opus format allows that because then you can just like have much more clear information being sent in smaller packets. Is that like yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah for sure. I, I, I guess as well for um, like video conferencing things like that, it's, it's much. Um, you can get much higher quality again for, oh, the, for, course, the, for yeah. the same mm-hmm. same bit rate. Makes perfect sense. Yeah, you always forget about those apps sometimes. Like they just they just sometimes work, and you kind of forget that they're there, and that they have. You know, mm. high demands in audio. Yeah, too. exactly. But I mean, uh, be- before we started the podcast, we were talking about um, audio quality in video c- conferencing, and the amount of calls, certainly for me, the amount of calls that I'm on where the audio quality is just terrible or it drops out at a, a key point. Um, y- you know, it's it's quite astonishing. It, you know, we we assume that everyone has fantastic bandwidth all the time, but the reality is that you know. A lot of people, including myself, you know, sometimes my bandwidth will drop down to like, you know, less than a megasecond, and then you really start to notice mm. it. And it's where that's where these um, very low bitrate but high quality codecs come into play, and um, that would maintain that that kind of um, high fidelity and, and understandability um, when when doing like uh, video calls and things like that. I think a lot of people, and this is a opinion that Kaushik shares with me, and you probably share as well, but um, we have the opinion that uh, high-quality audio is severely underrated. Um, oh, yeah. And the reason why we say this is, like, there's many times that both of us will listen to just various different podcasts or YouTube videos or whatever, and the content may be good, but the audio quality is so terrible that you just have to turn it off because you just can't even listen to it anymore because the audio quality is not, I, c- not I couldn't good. agree more. Yeah. It's, and sometimes, sometimes what I find is when I hear like good quality audio, like at, at the start of this call, I, I know you guys look, use great microphones and it, it's a real joy <laughs> to, to hear, you know, high quality, um, low noise um, audio. It's, it's, it's almost, I, I have a theory behind this, which is, I think that there's a lot of cognitive load that goes into processing poor mm. quality audio because you con- it's it's like trying to listen to someone in a in a busy pub some or something like you're like what oh and you're having to process and kind of fill in the blanks the whole time whereas with, if you have if yeah if you have like high quality audio it's so easy to listen to so easy to understand it's you can sort of relax into it um, and, and not have to do all this extra processing. I completely agree with that. And yeah. if you think about this in the, in the sense of a video call, imagine when there's 10 people on a call, someone's unmuted, <laughs> they're rustling papers. You can't focus on the person that's actually talking because mm-hmm. you're so focused on someone rustling papers and you're getting irritated and like, ah, what's the just mute? <laughs> and then <laughs> before you know it, it's 20 seconds later and someone's like, hey, so can you, you know, so-and-so, can you please mute? And then like you lost 30 seconds and that person's got to start all over again because no one heard what they were talking about. So I completely agree with that theory. Yep. It's, it's a great <laughs> sure. one. That's funny. 
Yeah, I love it. Like, yeah, the cognitive load and like being like your your brain almost being like a noise canceling system where it's like trying to like cancel out and piece together the words and then make sentence. I, I love that theory. Yeah. <laughs> well, hopefully some of these codecs can uh, can uh, help help solve some of those issues. Help. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> awesome. Uh, what else? Is there anything else that uh, you want to like uh, talk to us about? Like uh, what's new in like media with Android Q? Um, I mean, just a couple of minor things. Uh, Android Q introduces support for um, directional and zoomable microphones. So it allows you to specify oh, which microphone to use. For example, when you're taking a selfie video, you can say, uh, give me the front front facing microphone. Um, and also add support for zoomable mm-hmm. microphones, which uh, allow you to um, widen or narrow the depth of field for capture. So, for example, oh. again, yeah, it comes back to what we were just talking about. Again, if you're if you're taking uh, if if you are speaking on a conference call, you may want a narrow depth of field so that it only the microphone will only pick up your voice rather than you know people rustling around in the background or or, or whatever. So, oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, even just phone calls, right? I imagine if you're taking a phone call, you want like narrow yeah. the depth of field so that there's less outside noise. And Absolutely. Stuff. Yeah. Um, and kind of segue into um, into uh, the camera, which is the um, the camera. The depth information in the camera is now provided uh, on Android Q. So. Um, you can add in oh, like nice. blurring effects and um, essentially you can use um, the depth information to do whatever you like with. So whether that's blurring or like bokeh effects or um, creating 3D mm. 3D models, um, you'll be able to do that in Android Q as well. Yeah, and I know this is like a whole different topic altogether, but like with the depth information photos, is it basically that like just more information is being stored? Like like it, there are different pictures at different depth levels, and so then you can tweak the depth, and then it just surfaces that versus, uh, yeah, versus like keeping it at a different level, or is, does it work a little more different? I imagine it's a little more complicated. I think that. it's just metadata. <laughs> so it's metadata, which is, um in xmp format which is embedded in in uh a jpeg i think it just it can it it contains oh interesting I mean, oh, honest, i see i'm I just see. reading what it says on the on the blog post here but it says um it, <laughs> it has a depth and yeah. confidence map um embedded in the same file so it'll if you give you a whole map and how confident it is about that about whether or not the depth is what it says it is. Got it. That, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I can see why that is like valuable information. Yeah. At the very, at the very yeah. least, it should pr- produce some nice photos. <laughs> that is true. That is true. Uh, Don, thank you so much for joining us. This has been like a complete treat for us, uh, especially for me, I know, because this is like one of those topics in, uh, in most folks. I don't know if you remember this, but in the early days of Fragmented Right, uh, in like the first five or six episodes, Don and I had this discussion about like this app that I've always been wanting to build. Uh, and then like, yeah, it's just been something that's like over time we've revisited now and then, but it looks like now is definitely like, yeah, Android is definitely there and more where like it is at a point where you can do a lot of this stuff. Uh, the improvements, especially with the audio is like, yeah, I'm very blown away by this. So uh, this is, both very encouraging and exciting. Cool. I mean, I mean, 
thank you very much for having me on the show and i'm very much looking forward to uh seeing this this looping app on the play store you know i'm happy happy to be a beta tester perfect i i, I will definitely ping you uh i got very excited and jumped into the show right away but uh uh, would you like take a minute or two to like also like tell us like what team you work at um, at Google? Because like I also want to like recognize like I know like the team has been doing like some amazing things, and I just like jumped in and straight started peppering <laughs> you with questions. So uh, we usually do yeah, this no at problem. the beginning, but like no hey, better better late than never. Like yeah, can you tell like some of the sure, listeners? Sure. Yeah, uh, where you work, what do you do? <laughs> so I work in the Android Developer Relations team. Um, we are based in London, or rather. The, the, my direct team is is based in London, and I'm the only person who focuses on audio. So I work with the Android Audio Framework engineers, essentially to help mm. them bring uh, the, their developer-facing products to market, and also to help developers use those products and give feedback to the engineering team in order to improve those products. So, you know, for many years, developers have been saying, hey, what about latency? Can we make sure that that's not awful anymore? And, um, <laughs> you know, so that, that message uh, kind yeah. of propagates through me into the uh, into the engineering teams and, and they do a fantastic job of uh, addressing that that feedback. So, um, yeah, my, my job is really to provide the bridge between the uh, audio framework team and uh, audio programmers uh, on Android. Perfect. Thank you so much for joining us uh, today, Don. If folks have like questions or they want to reach out to you with other like latency questions, I know in the early days I definitely like probably like reached out, maybe like even to you uh, <laughs> uh, with some of these things. Uh, if uh, what would be a good way for like our listeners to get in touch with you if they have more questions around audio or like they're curious about some of these capabilities? Uh, okay, so. There's a few ways you can get in touch with me. Uh, number one, probably Twitter. You can ping me directly just at Don Turner um, on Twitter. Also on the Oboe GitHub site, if you've got a specific question or you um, you know, you, you, you want to know how to use Oboe in a certain way, then feel free to file an issue um, on, on the GitHub site there. We also have an Oboe Stack Overflow tag, so you can post questions there and I I generally check like once a day to see if there's any new new questions there. So um, so yeah, any of those those ways, um, and I will do my best to respond. Sometimes I, I'm deluged with questions, so I'm not always you know the quickest to respond, but I do try and try and get to everyone eventually. Well, thank you so much for your time, Don. Uh, thank you all so much for listening. Um, we will catch you in the next episode. Cool. Thank you very much. I want to thank Sentry for sponsoring today's show. Their tagline is, your code is broken, let's fix it together. They're a super cool crash reporting service that gives you all the helpful details that you need when detecting and fixing errors in your application. Don't wait for your users to report your errors and crashes. Use Sentry to catch them earlier. Check them out at sentry.io slash for slash Android. Once again, because Sentry is a common word, I want to make sure you get it right. Sentry.io. My thanks to Sentry for sponsoring today's show. 
That's it for the show, folks. Fragmented is hosted by Don Felker and me, Kaushik Gopal. We edit and produce all the episodes here on Fragmented. Sarah the Amazing Jackson from the Spec Network helps with production assistance and wraps our final mix. Our theme and ad music is by the national recording artist Blueprint from Weightless Recordings. You can find more Fragmented episodes at fragmentedpodcast.com. Thanks for listening, and we will catch you in the next episode.